This is September 5th, and this is the Bruins Beat, presented by FanDuel on CLNS Media. And welcome into the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinovsky. Hope you guys are having a great day, a great week. Hope you had a great uh, Labor Day weekend and things are only ramping up. Things are only ramping up and kind of as a primer to those things ramping up, uh, Connor Ryan and I discussed an interesting question. Who will be the better goalie this year? Linus Olmark or Jeremy Swayman? And we kind of dive into what each needs to prove this year. We, need, we dove into... The question of, has Swayman officially proved he's the starter of the future yet? Proved it. Without a without a shred of a doubt, has he proved it? Uh, and there was a recent poll that would allude to the fact that maybe he has. Uh, so we get into the goaltending, which we haven't touched on in a long time. I think maybe the retirements of Bergeron and Krejci and uh, the lots of talk of prospects have uh, prevented us from doing that. Uh, and then in the second half, we get into, uh, we construct our opening night bottom sixes, what we think uh, the bottom six will look like on opening night. Uh, and we make our case for each guy. And and we also discuss the guys that were not in our projected top six and maybe why they aren't and what they need to do uh, to get there. So uh, that is this episode. It's a, it's a pretty packed episode for a, uh, a beginning of September show. Uh, but nonetheless, I won't keep you any longer. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Connor Ryan. <laughs> And we're here with Connor Ryan. Connor, what is up? Evan, I'm doing well. How you doing? Doing all right. I'm doing okay. Uh, I, I My congested, congestion and I'm feeling a little sick, uh, which is not the greatest way to start the fall. But maybe it's because the weather's slowly changing, even though it's been hot. It's going to be hot this week. Uh, but I apologize to the listeners who have to listen to me. Sound like it's, you know, I have a mid-February cold. I don't know what this is, um, but hopefully power through it and uh get through it how was your labor day connor what, what, what were you up to uh pretty low-key nothing too crazy got caught up on work it's gonna be busy here now with we got uh Bruins practices coming up this week getting ramped up for that I was over at a holy cross football game on saturday shout out holy cross the actual good football program in uh in massachusetts unlike those people out in newton who are going to lose to holy cross this upcoming week I can't wait for that. I cannot wait for that, by the way. Uh, but yeah, other than that, pretty low key, just keeping busy, getting ready. Again, as I've said before, August, it's you're ramping up. You're like going up the roller coaster, is how it is. It's just you can wear shorts while doing it. Now I'm ready to uh, ramp things up here a little bit. Yeah, it should be good. Captain's practice today. Uh, and then, you know, things are going to only get uh, crazier and, and, uh, more active from there in the centennial season. It's interesting, you know, at the start of the offseason, we talked a lot about goaltending um, with Linus Holmark potentially being on the trading block, you know, um, is, you know, are the, can the Bruins go into next season or as, you know, the 23-24 season with Swayman and Busey or Swayman and, you know, another veteran journeyman. Uh, and nothing happened, at least yet. And it doesn't feel like anything is going to happen, at least before the season starts uh, in net. It's different from, Last year, it feels like it's going to be Olmark and Swayman back together again. Um, you know, all signs point to that. 
And it's interesting because, you know, both were solid last year. I mean, Olmark won the Vesna. Swayman was, you know, terrific as well. And I think we had the same question last year. And I think my answer was Swayman. But I'm curious, going into this year, after what happened last year, who do you think is going to be better of the two? I mean, it's tough, right? Because I I think the conventional thinking, right, is that, I mean, you hope that they're both almost equal or one of them maybe just slightly better. But it feels like Omar is due to take somewhat of a step back. And that's not an indictment on him or his ability. It's just, you know, usually if you win a Vezina, you don't keep on winning Vezinas over and over again. I think it's kind of the safe uh, situation there. Um, so I think you expect a little bit safe of regression. Bet. On some safe of bet. Yeah, safe <laughs> bet, I would say, right? But again, it's not indictment on him. It's just those are the breaks when you're a goaltender in a very variable position like that where, you know, obviously you have a lot of turnover in front of you. Um, and for Swayman, it's like, all right, uh, can he take another step forward with his skill set? I mean, it's a guy that every year has gotten uh, better and better. Still a young goalie, still improving. Um, you know, Am I going to say one way or the other which player can take a step forward? I think if you're the Bruins, you're happy if you just, you know, you get to a full 55-45 split and both guys are playing at around the same level. Again, you'll take it if if Omar can keep up what he did last year and has a great high-danger save percentage, uh, builds you out of a lot of games, you'll take it. But I think you have to just err on the side of, not caution, but realism of that you're expecting those numbers to take a step back. But I think it all comes down to whether Swayman can take another step forward. If you can offset some regression in Olmark's game with a guy like Swayman uh, building off of what he's shown so far, and maybe that means, you know, easier reps for Olmark, where, you know, I think we saw last year where he's the number one guy and the injury issues down the, the final stretch of the season. Or it could be a situation with Swayman getting, you know, a tougher matchup here or there where I think the bulk of the playoff matchups – or, you know, playoff-ready teams in the regular season was usually Omar getting the nod there. If you can allocate those workloads a little bit more evenly this year, I think both guys tend to benefit from it. But if I had to say which player could be more improved, I think Swayman has more room to grow, whereas I think Omar hit the pinnacle of what you're expecting. Obviously, the Vezina winner, they can only take a slight step back from that. Yeah, I mean, Omar is starting up here. You know, you don't expect him to, you can't, kind of get you can't get higher than what he did last year in the regular season so uh by definition i mean swayman you know should improve more uh than than olmark has to improve the one area that i would love to see olmark get better in and i don't know you you know i guess this would only come up if swayman went down with an injury is can he string together a lot of good starts over a long period of time and we've we've wondered about him with this uh the last two postseasons where he's sort of broken down in the playoffs and sort of uh needed to be stepped in for you look at you know even during the regular season you know even last year there were not a lot of stretches that he played multiple games in a row and that's fine again it kind of goes back to like maybe you should have kept the tandem going in the postseason but i still think at some point you do want to see omar string together start after start after start after start if possible again it's hard you have Swayman there too he needs starts as well he needs to improve so kind of I mean again I I doubt that they go different than they did last year in the regular season in the sense of a tandem I don't think we'll be seeing a clear one and two this year unless someone takes a huge step back which they shouldn't um but I mean again you know can you can you find a way to make that tandem also work 
when you make the playoffs. Now, this team's focus needs to be making the playoffs first. <laughs> That's the big right. thing that has to happen. But, um, you know, in terms of improvements, you know, I think with Allmark, even, excuse me, with Swayman, like, and it hits at a, at a bigger point. Like, I think we are all agree in an agreement on Swayman's probably the starter of the future, right? You know, that's that's your guy in net. He's 24. Um, you know, we talked about this after he signed that deal uh, about a month ago. Like, you lock him up long term when you can. But has he officially proved he's a starter of the, of the future yet? I mean, again, you know, you look at, uh, you know, had 41 games in 21-22, 37 games last year. Like, does he need to play more? Does he not need to somehow find a way to get past Olmark as the 1A to prove that he can be the starter of the future? Yeah, I mean, I think if you're the Bruins, you're still mapping out the overall game plan of where this team looks two, three years down the road. And I think it's a situation where I wouldn't even call Swayman like a small sample size, right? Like he's played, you know, a, a very heavy amount of games the last couple of years and has looked good. And every year he's gotten better. Uh, I think if you're the Bruins, you're in a spot where you now have the luxury of instead of like throwing this guy who's been on this uh, you know, steady, you know, increase in terms of his reps, responsibilities and his production uh, between, you know, in net, you're seeing him continue to take those steps forward, but you're also not going to throw him to the wolves, right? Where it's like, all right, here you go and by yourself, go, <laughs> you know, good luck. Like we have faith in you, but like, it's on you now. I think if you're the Bruins, it's kind of the luxury of having a spot where um, you can keep him in this role where, again, if he plays better, he's going to get more reps. It's kind of, you know, Strayman even mapped that out after he signed his contract with, the partnership with him and Omar is that, you know, they both know that if they take a step back, the other guy is competitive and he's going to take more reps. So if you're the Bruins and you're still in this environment, where you're not, I wouldn't say like coddling Swayman for, you know, his future role, you hope as the number one guy, keep him in the spot where he's still averaging 40 starts, you know, like 35, 40 starts a season, still playing a key role as one of the two anchors, I think of your success this upcoming year. If you guys are a playoff team, um, and keep on fighting in, in that spot and developing. I think that's better than just all of a sudden just anointing him as the number one option and just seeing kind of where the di- where the dice fall. Like that could have been an option if they traded Olmark. Obviously, didn't happen. But the, the way the Bruins are doing now, it's kind of a spot that I think most teams would like to be. You know, it's like Tuka Rask, right? Like, could he have been the guy that you just in 08, You just stuck with him, said screw it. Like, well, he looks good. Like we've seen him a couple of seasons now. Yeah, sure, that could work, but I think you look at the spot he was in where proven backup in a very good system, defense had a good guy in front of him, obviously. Um, and if you're Swayman and you can follow that same path in terms of saying that, you know, Swayman is the next Rask, but if you're in that spot where you can develop under those minutes, still play a key role, and then eventually when he's, you know, 26, 27, the role is his. And it's unquestioned at that point. He's established himself as a legit NHL player seems like the, the the better option for all parties involved. Before we continue on with the conversation, I want to tell you about our friends over at FanDuel. Get ready for the NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. Now, obviously, is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use, and you can bet on everything from spreads to player props and more. So visit FanDuel.com Boston and kick off the NFL season with an offer you don't want to miss. Again, 
bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. And all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. Again, visit FanDuel.com slash Boston. FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. In Mass, 21 plus and present in Mass. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at fanduel.com slash sportsbook. Hope is here. Gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. NFL Sunday ticket offer ends September 18th, 2023. No refunds. Terms and embargoes apply. $100 off NFL Sunday ticket. Not YouTube TV. YouTube TV base plan required to watch YouTube TV. Redemption requires a Google account and current form of payment. Commercial use excluded. Subscription revenue renews. Cancel any time. Now, back to the show. Yeah, I mean, again, the the, the stock ticker on him is pointing up uh, in terms of you know his career and and him being a um, you know top goalie in this league. And it's interesting because. You know, you look at, we've talked about this before, the amount of young goalies around the NHL who've been thrust into these starting goalie positions at very young ages. And it's very up and down, up and down, or just a straight downward trend. Um, and, you know, again, I think it is smart that you have a guy like Olmark there who takes the bulk of the workload and sort of protects a guy like Swayman and lets him develop at his own pace. I mean, Swayman didn't spend much time in Providence. Um and when he was in Providence, it was the COVID year. They were at New England Sports Center. So, like, you know, he didn't have a lot of time in the AHL. So this still is development for him. So I do think it's very impressive that uh, you know, at his at his uh, you know, at this point in his career, where he is where he is. And it brings it to this. I don't know if you saw this. So uh, Jay Fresh on Twitter uh did this offseason fan poll and uh you know asked fans, you know, who are the top 10 goalies, who are the top 10, you know, right wings, left wings, centers, left defensemen, and and right defensemen. And uh, Omar came in seventh, which feels a little low for the reigning Vesna winner. But I think he, I think he was sixth on like NHL networks, the top goalies. I'm like, and, well, NHL, know, ne- like a, NHL networks yeah. rankings are always a little weird. Like those always seem to be there to kind of just like stoke the fire a bit. But uh, what were you going to say? No, I was saying, yeah, I think NHL network had him at like sixth overall. And it's like, all right. I mean, again, he took this one huge step forward, but like, was a very solid goalie that put it all together. You would think he would be higher up on the list for the video game numbers he put together, but alas. At least top five. I think I think the NHL Network people kind of go back to, I, I forget the NHL Network rankings, but Hellebuck and Shesterkin and Vasilevsky and like Ottinger and those guys get a little more press, I feel like, than Omar. But you're right. I mean, I don't know. Like Omar should be top five at least. But an interesting one is Swayman and this Jay Fresh poll came in at ninth. Um does that feel high? I know it's just a fan poll. I'm, you know, this isn't the be all end all, but does that feel high? Uh, I mean, I, I can see that like Jay Fresh and, you know, the numbers he digs into, because I think the one thing that always stuck out, I think Omark, I believe was better than Swayman this year in terms of high danger save percentage. But I feel like that was something that Om, uh, Swayman, even like the last couple of years, we had a, a more limited role. He was always like top five at high danger save percentage. Like he's a guy that always made very timely saves. Um, that kind of separated him from the pack of a lot of other very, very good goaltenders. So I think the talent is there, and I think that's probably what I would imagine people lean into or the potential, I guess, with a guy like Swayman. Um, but 
nine. Yeah, you probably just see him build off of it even more. I mean, hell, if he takes a, another huge step forward this year, it kind of solidifies him in that role. But again, it's not to say that he's been. I don't think you can make like a sweeping claim on Swayman and the, the type of NHL player he is right now, other than the fact that he's a very promising goalie that right now, barring any disaster, is on track to being, at the very least, a very solid, proven number one goalie uh, up at the NHL level. You have that in your system. It's all about just building and moving forward. Yeah, I mean, you, you just think back to no one, few people took that game seven loss harder than him in that press conference after. And I think like, you just look at, you mentioned the promise. Like, I think this happened, what happened in game seven, what happening in game seven, the fact that that happened to him so young in his career, I feel like had, it has sort of, it's going to have a big impact on him uh, moving forward. But yeah, ninth, I was sort of like, oh, wow. Nationally, I'm surprised that Swayman ranked as high uh, in top, in the top 10. But again, I think, as you said, projecting wise, ninth uh, makes a good amount of sense for Swayman going forward. It's interesting. You know, one thing moving off of the goaltending, one thing that we uh, have discussed a lot, but we haven't we haven't fully dived into yet. You know, we haven't, you know, gone head first into this. We just kind of keep mentioning it. But the bottom six, the bottom six on this Bruins team is fascinating because, I mean, I was, you know, I was writing down my, you know, we're going to construct our, what we think will be the opening night uh, bottom six. And my guess is neither of us will be correct because no. a lot's going to change in uh, training camp. A lot is going to change with these guys, but even just right here, right? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13. You have about 13 guys right now um, in the running for the bottom six. And I, I'm probably forgetting a person or, you know, two people. Um, mm-hmm. But I want to start with the third line. Uh, what would be your projected third line for um, for opening night? Just a quick break in the action to tell you about our delicious friends over at HelloFresh. So what is HelloFresh? With HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. When it comes to options, honestly, more is more. That's why HelloFresh's menu includes 40 recipes and over 100 add-on items to choose from every week and guess what a new season calls for new meals and hellofresh has a fresh fall lineup full of delicious dinners and more to choose from take your pick from 40 weekly recipes that suit your lifestyle from veggie to family friendly to fit and wholesome i recently cooked up the honey butter barbecue pork chops and my goodness i was sent everything from the sweet and smoky barbecue seasoning to the green beans right down to the honey And within about 30 minutes, I had myself a gourmet meal, and I got to admit, I felt like a chef, which is a very, very cool feeling, and and the food tastes even better when you cook it. So go to HelloFresh.com slash 50Bruins and use code 50Bruins for 50% off plus 15% off the next two months. Again, go to HelloFresh.com slash 50Bruins and use code 50BRUINS for 50% off plus 15% off the next two months. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. All right, now back to the show. Yeah, I mean, I'll preface this by one echoing when you said that it's probably, I feel like it's going to be wrong because I really don't know how to make heads or tails of this until I think we get to the season because, again, if you asked, like, my opinion, I still would have opted for, like, the 
stick Frederick up there to see what you have in the top six next to Coyle, and then you have more talent further down. But I'm assuming that's going to be the case to open the year. So we'll go with the assumption of what Montgomery mapped out, right? Of yes. JVR, Zaka, Pasta, Marshan, Coyle, De- DeBrusque, right? That's, that's yes. the top six he mapped out. You got it. All right. So uh, I will go, I'm going to say Morgan Kiki at 3C. I'm also going to keep mine very boring in terms of younger players. I think there's a lot to be excited about guys like Merkulov or like, hell, maybe a guy like Johnny Beecher or something takes a step forward and proves himself in preseason. I'm still going to err on the side of caution that the Bruins and the amount of guys they signed, maybe one or two guys establish themselves. And I think even then you're looking at maybe a guy like Lauko, like solidifying his spot in the line as opposed to a guy from Providence uh, fighting for a spot and getting it out of uh, getting out of preseason and training camp. So my third line, I'm going to go geeky three C. I still am high on geeky in terms of, I think what he can do under more minutes, not to say he's going to be averaging 19 a night, but if you're averaging, uh, you know, o- over 30 points, averaging under 11 minutes a night, bump that up to 13, 14, not to say he's going to be a 60 point guy, but he's a guy that I think has more, uh, more to give in an elevated role. I'm going to go Frederick, uh, right wing on the third line. Again, we've talked about Frederick quite a bit. Montgomery maps him out on at right wing on that spot. Um, and he has more room to grow as well. Like when he's on his game as a physical player, guy that almost had 20 goals last year, if he can replicate that or build off of it, he can be a game changer and a guy that drives play on that third line. So it's going to be fascinating to see how he is when he's kind of, you know, completely new surrounding, right. With like a geek, guy like geeky or someone else like that. So have him right wing and then left wing. I'm going to go with Lauko. I'm, I'm really high on Lauko and what he can bring. Um, You'll get his skill set, his motor, forechecking, um, you know, ability to kind of mix things up after the whistle. Maybe he's better suited for the fourth line, but I think when you look at just what he showcased in terms of effort, making stuff happen, drawing penalties, um, you know, getting, you know, four goals, seven points in 21 games, I feel like there's more room to to grow there in terms of, even if it's not like reflected in the stat line, I don't think if he plays 82 games, he's all of a sudden going to be a, 18 goal guy, 38 points or something like that, which you'll take. But I think in terms of just what he brings that isn't reflected on the score sheet in terms of forechecking ability, uh, forcing turnovers, those things. I think if you're looking at carving an identity on the third line, a guy like that whose motor is always running whenever he hops over the boards, I think he's a guy that uh, could be really intriguing in that spot that I think has maybe more of an upside than people think. I hate this because we had the exact same third line. Uh, and I'll Evan, say this. You know what it is? You know what it is? And, and people might think we're crazy for this. Um, Frederick and Geeky are locks, I think, for three left wing and, and three C. Um, so that, I mean, those are, those are I feel like, kind of obvious. Lauko, I, I completely agree with you on. And this is what, so for me, the right, the right side of Geeky on that line came down to Lauko and Lysel for me. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because they're Lauko and Lysel are obviously two vastly different players. If you put them together, you'd make a freaking superstar. But you know, with with Lau with Lysel, you have that high skill, the high potential. You have a guy who, you know, can be a game-changing player, like a real solid game-changing player, a top prospect in your system, which I guess isn't saying much, but still that's you know, he's a you know former first round pick. But you have that downside of the play away from the puck, the defensive game. Uh, he was a minus. I know we're anti plus minus, but, uh, you know, again, I don't know if the AHL has super in-depth advanced defensive analytics like the NHL does. Um, 
He's a minus 12 last year. Um, and so again, you know, like way under being a point per game player in Providence. I think he still needs some more seasoning. I don't think there's anything wrong with a little more seasoning on him. You know, you can't, you know, no problem to leave him down there for a bit of time. Um, but the idea of Lysel being on that line would intrigue me if things kind of shape out that way. If he tears it up in Providence or uh, there's injuries at the at the big league level. But I mean, it's interesting, you know, him being with Geeky and Frederick, I think, you know, he'd kind of add the skill to that line and potentially up the production for someone like Geeky. But I think for a, for how Montgomery is constructing the top six with Van Riemsdyk kind of being a surefire bet as a producer in the top six and, and the way that's going to be constructed, I think a guy like Lauco makes more sense and that you, you kind of know what you're going to get. You know, he's probably not going to, you know, Produce so much, he works his way into the top six, and he's also probably not going to do crazy, you know, crazy irresponsible things out there that are going to cost a ton of goals against. Um, the compete's always going to be there, so I think for the way Montgomery's kind of shaping this team to start, that's what I would expect. I would expect kind of going for a guy like Lauco over a guy like Lysel, and Lysel would be more of like a mid-season call-up. Um, yeah, if that ends up working itself out um, for the fourth line. I went with Lucic on the left. I just think that I know the way him coming back, the return, the ovation he'll get opening night. I have a tough time believing he won't be there um, on that fourth line. Uh, I don't think he's necessarily maybe the greatest fit, but I just think given his own circumstances, the leadership component he brings, having been here before, Krejci and Bergeron being gone, um, I think Lucic makes sense there. You know, I'm curious to see if there's anything more in the tank, like, you know, or, or is he a guy that gets scratched a lot throughout the season? We'll see. Uh, down the middle, Jesper Boquist. Well, Jesper Boquist, he actually has pretty good numbers the past couple of years. Uh, 23 points in 56 games, uh, two years ago, 21 and 70 last year. Uh, that's a guy again, who I think, you know, could be kind of a surprise, uh, you know, guy who's a high skill player. I think he was a second round pick, uh, if I'm not mistaken. So again, a guy that, you know, maybe you can get something out of. I don't know his defensive metrics. I don't think they're as great as a guy like uh, Noshix were, but I still think that I think it's worth, you know, might be a little more uh, stable than a guy like Beecher being there. And for the way Montgomery's constructing this uh, this team, I think that it's absolutely uh, very possible that Boquist starts out there. And then on the right, I think you can get creative with this. This goes along with sort of the Lauco mold. I went with McLaughlin here. Um, I think McLaughlin is as reliable and steady a prospect uh, that you can put in the bottom six as you have. And I think he's a guy that you know what you're going to get. You know, he's not a liability out there. He's not the fastest guy. He's not the most skilled guy, but he works hard. He's good in his own end. And I think uh, as a fourth line presence, I think that might be an area. So when, you know, Montgomery goes to Sweeney and says, hey, look, I am playing some kids. It's Lauco and, and McLaughlin, and they're, they're two reliable guys. I think to start the season out, you know, he, they want some sort of stability. So that'd be my fourth line. Connor, what would your fourth line be? Yeah, I feel like it's tough to, like, almost uh, dial up one set grouping because I feel like the fourth line is the one that I think as much as you envision the fourth line is just the hard-nosed checking unit, I feel like now in today's NHL, you can kind of augment that line to whatever identity you're looking to get. So it means to be seeing what exactly Montgomery's looking to get out of it. Are they going to be a shutdown line? Is like coil in the top six going to be the, the shutdown line? Is like the full line just going to be like energy instead and just be like a bunch of guys are just going to be toppling over players? So uh, I'm going with the anticipation that they just want a heavy 
physical line. I feel like the Bruins, again, their identity, I think, is going to be based off of goaltending and defense. Offense firepower is not going to be there. Add a bunch of big guys, add a lot more heft, forechecking, being physical, grind things out is kind of how they're doing it. So I'm going with a very, uh, you know, heavy line there. Lucic, I think, is the obvious one uh, at left wing. I'm going to go Greer to start on right wing. I think, again, it could be Boquist. I think he has a higher ceiling as well. It means to be seen where exactly he best fits in, because I don't think his numbers at faceoffs are that good. Though I could be mistaken there, but he's definitely a guy that I think will be fighting for those minutes. But if you're looking at just poor checking speed, making things happen, Greer kind of fits that mold. Um, and I'm going Patrick Brown down the middle. Again, he's not, not the headline stealer, but I think you look at what he brings. If you want some stability there in the middle – Really, really good in faceoffs in his career. I think between uh, you know his total amount of games, he was on pace for about 170 hits last year. So if he can be a almost like a like a Chris Wagner type down the middle, just like physical wins faceoffs, does his job that way, chips in every now and then. Maybe that's all you're looking for in that fourth line. Like that fourth line could change as year goes on. Like Beecher could step in, and I think he has a higher ceiling as a four C. McLaughlin makes plenty of sense. Lauko again. If he's not the third line, at the very least, he should be on the fourth line somewhere. Yeah. So if you look at just how many guys they have in those roles, they can kind of change the line however they want it to. Like they could be a line that ends up being uh, a higher offensive ceiling than what we've seen in years past if they like slot younger players down there to kind of carve out roles. Um, so it'll be fascinating, not just to see. Obviously, we still don't know what the the lines are going to be and who the players are in the bottom six, but how that identity kind of maps out. Because if you ask me. Last year, the third line was going to be this shutdown line of Coyle, you know, averaging 30 ozone, you know, 30% ozone starts with Taylor Hall and Trent Frederick. I would be like, ah, that's not, that's not going to happen. Not just like the, the lines themselves, but what their role was. So how Montgomery opts to play that fourth line is going to be fascinating in terms of the amount of different players, unique play styles and how it all kind of comes together over the next uh, month or so. Yeah, I, and it's interesting you mentioned the how that role of that fourth line changes. Like I was just kind of writing down off the top of my head, if they were to go with a more offensively uh, minded fourth line, I guess you would go more Boquist, Merkulov, Steen potentially even as like yeah. a as a fourth line. I mean, I, Beecher isn't an offensive force. Brown isn't McLaughlin. I mean, it's fine, but I, you know, I don't think he matches the offensive ceiling of the three I first mentioned. Um, so I guess that would be the three. It's also tough because, again, like, all of these guys, right, aside from Lysel, none of them have, like, an offensive ceiling that equates to, you know, potentially being a top six forward someday. I mean, if things work out like that, awesome. But right. none really do. So, I mean, are you going to really look to your fourth line, like, as a line that you made, you go to for a goal in the third period? Like, probably not. So I think, again, it kind of goes back to, going to be a little heavier, a little more physical. Like my fourth line kind of blends all of that with reliability and and some of that, and yours is a little more heavy. But I do yeah. think that, you know, I mean, again, like the guys in the mix, the guys we mentioned, Greer as well, uh, Farinacci, I'm curious to see, like, yeah. does he look in camp? How does he look uh, to start the year in Providence? Is that a guy who works his way up? Um, and Merkulov, I mean, Merkulov led – Providence in points last year and has a very high offensive ceiling. The question is defensively, what is he going to look like? You know, can, can he sort of uh, get his feet under him uh, in the defensive zone? So I'm curious. I mean, again, I think it, I think these lines change throughout the year 
I don't think they're going to stay the same. Uh, I think they're going to change their training camp. And so it'll be interesting to see what happens. I'm, again, I think the most interesting one, though, is Lysel. What does, you know, does Lysel look so good in camp that they they have to put him on the NHL roster? Um, or is it, hey, he needs a little more seasoning? So uh, yeah. we will see. They're all questions we'll get answers to either in camp or throughout the season, hopefully. Uh, Connor, what can people look forward to from you over at Boston.com and the Boston Globe? Yeah, we're going to have you covered uh, as we finally get through the offseason. We'll have coverage over from captain's practices, uh, see what a few players have to say there. Start again looking at preseason prep, training camp, roster battles, all that stuff uh, in the weeks ahead. So read all of our stuff over at boston.com. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can at Connor Ryan underscore 93. Go do all that. I'm Evan Marinovsky. You Bruins Beat listeners, have a great rest of your week. Thank you.